quickly went from zero to a million streams and is still growing now. Wow. Welcome to the DIY Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Nico Santana. This is brought to you by DistroKid. Get 7% off your yearly membership plan, distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash Nico Santana. Welcome uh, to the DIY Artist Podcast. My name is Nico Santana. I am beyond ecstatic to be joined by someone I haven't personally met is in you know the physical realm, but I've had the pleasure of speaking with via Zoom and uh, on multiple occasion occasions online. Uh, Will Hatton, everybody, this guy, is a phenomenal producer, wise instructor, been in the music game, doing all sorts of things from playing drums to producing his own tracks to breaking, in my personal opinion, records in the indie space, all while doing it on his own primarily. And of course, you know, with collaborations and whatnot. Uh, Will Hatton, aka Hushchild, welcome to the DIY Artist Podcast, my man. Dude, thank you so much for having me. It's good to see you, brother. Yeah, likewise, brother. I've admired you from afar. I definitely admire you right now face to face. So uh, it's just great to be able to be in this uh, same space with you and kind of just talking about our journeys as DIY artists and producers in your case, right? One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on this podcast is you bring the perspective of uh, somebody who's actually been in in the actual instruction space. And of course, you've, uh, if, if I'm understanding correctly, you've also toured as a drummer. Is that is that correct? Kind of talk to me a little bit about your background and, and, and where you are right now with your music. Sure. Uh, how far back do you want to go? Well, let's start with the present right now, and uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive back into like the early stages. So, like, what are sure, you doing sure. right now? And we'll, we'll we'll go back to the early stages. So, right now, my main focus is education online. I'm hugely passionate about um, breaking down what could be considered larger concepts, musical concepts and just breaking down the fundamental ideas so it's as widely accessible as possible. So weekly, I put out uh, content on YouTube, electronic music production, but I don't like to, I don't like, like to give it a particular genre. We focus on the more chilled sure. side of electronic, but sometimes we mix it up. And then outside of that, as you mentioned, um, also a session musician uh, from time to time, pandemic, you know, depending but uh yeah also a right. session drummer and produce for for a few different artists and live stream live electronic music as well and, and, the, and the way that will and i got acquainted was uh through through distro kid who i forgot to shout out in the beginning of this video so uh you know definitely want to give a shout out to distro kid we're both um independent artists we've been, both been using the service for some time now by not only being sponsored by them but by using their service it it's it's given us the opportunity to kind of level ourselves up uh, as producers as artists uh to be able to reach a uh, mass audience really uh in the digital age and just making things a lot more streamlined with being able to distribute our music uh, without you know breaking the bank. So shouts out to Distro Kid. I'm wearing their merch. Um, I've seen Will wear their merch from yeah. time to time. So key shouts out to them. And uh, of course, you know we're happy to have them sponsor this podcast. Okay, so let's let's go ahead and go back to the beginnings here. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how how you got introduced to music and and where did the idea stem from that this is what you wanted to do with your life. Oh, dude, so that's we're going back to the days of high school, and <laughs> okay, probably like every kid with you know a mild form of ADHD, I tried everything, I tried all the sports, you know, I couldn't couldn't get a net from the free throw line, you know, I couldn't 
cross it into the goal when I was playing football. Was rubbish on the tennis court. So I, I find music, right? I hear the, the band room. And it was a tiny little cabin almost. Yeah, pretty underfunded school. Um, definitely no funding in the arts. It was this little cabin. But there was always this, this noise coming from, from this room. And I tried bass and I tried guitar and I tried piano. <laughs> still the same same results as i was getting in sports but drums was one of the first things that i came to and it, it was still difficult and is still difficult to this day but there was just something inside playing drums that i could figure out okay if i just hit this thing in time then i'm keeping time on the hi-hat and if i combine the kick drum and it was kind of like driving a car i got used to using um you know, my different limbs at different times and I could work it out. And then before long, I was, you know, starting a little band in high school, whatever. Fast forward, uh, when I was in college, I took music and there was a guy there that was like, I think he was a guest lecturer. I don't think he was a teacher and his name was Richard Brown and he was the musical director for the Lords of the Rings productions in London and New Zealand. And I really wanted to be a session drummer. By this point, I decided that I didn't want to be in a band and play the same seven songs every night, you know, play all the different pubs and bars around the UK. I wanted to be a session musician. I wanted to travel around the country, uh, if not overseas, playing for people last minute and feeling the stress of um, learning their set list within, you know, short notice. Right. So I hit Richard Brown up and of course he was like, absolutely not no way <laughs> you know i was a kid he was like in his late 50s whatever he'd he was yeah. well traveled uh written loads of music he was like no way so i you know kind of picked myself back up i left it probably like another month i hit him up again another month hit him up again and and i found out that his drummer was sick he was doing a small orchestral performance for about six months and his drummer got sick someone let me know i hit him up and i said um I'll do whatever your drummer can do better, but for absolutely free. And one of those things were true. Um, I would do it for free. I don't know if I would do it better, but I told him I would. And uh, he gave me just like an audition. He said I could come and play with the orchestra and whatever. And he kept me on for six months. And after he kept me on for six months, we did another show uh, with a small orchestra. And that one, that one, he like paid my travel. And that was when I was like, oh my God, I'm getting paid or so i thought you know like i was getting my travel paid for uh i'm doing this musician thing and that was kind of the hook for it um it wasn't until many 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 years later i played drums for uh you know kind of unknown rising talent i played drums for people that had won shows like the voice and uh, x factor and then uh, a few you know like pop groups or pop artists and and, and rock bands and, and and it wasn't until maybe 10 years later after that point that i decided to get into electronic music and i started producing bits and pieces and it was mainly from an aspect of playing drums so when i was playing for an artist mm -hmm. they maybe needed a backing track i would create that backing track um and then i slowly started to show more interest in that side of things and i never really wanted to be famous so uh, it was kind of a nice sidestep to go into the studio and produce tracks and be behind the scenes for, for different artists. And then slowly after that, my own music came, you know, only in the last year or two. One thing I admire about you is in spite of 
the successes that I've seen online, uh, you know, you carry a very down to earth uh, attitude about you. And, uh, and, I, and I think that that, at least to me, speaks volumes because, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where uh, I, I talked about it in, in the first podcast, but being a forever student, I think, requires a level of humility that uh, oftentimes is unmatched. And I think where indie artists may have a, I want to say a roadblock or an obstacle is is being afraid of those humble beginnings. You know, you talked about how you wanted to play for free and you weren't looking for fame. And, uh, you know, two of the things that, uh, you know, oftentimes are, are, are kind of enveloped in wanting to be an artist, at least, you know, I can't speak for, for, um, for your region, but in the States, you know, especially in, in Florida and South Florida at that, you know, when, when you think of the idea of becoming a rapper, you think of two things, money, right. And, uh, public validation, fame, um, and I'm not saying you weren't wanting to make a living out of this, but at the same time, it, it just seems like your approach is very different than than what would be the case for 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 some back home. So, uh, and by the way, uh, where are you based out of? Because I don't think we established that uh, oh, okay, at the beginning yeah. of the podcast. Uh, so I'm about 45 minutes outside of London. Um, okay, I'm just on the coast, a little town called Southend on Sea. Not much goes on here, buddy. Awesome, <laughs> it's a, it's a quiet, <laughs> quiet little seaside town, but uh, you know it keeps me just a little bit connected to London without all the hustle and bustle and That's craziness. Huge. Just goes to show we're uh, we're fortunately worldwide because of the power of the internet now so that's, uh, that's beautiful man um, okay so you you started through through playing drums and then eventually you got into into producing um, for those who are looking to uh, perhaps you know like myself really I'm not uh, a seasoned producer by any means I've produced tracks on 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 logic here and there but not anything that I would boast or, or claim what what would you recommend for an for uh, upcoming producer or somebody who wants to get into production is is it beneficial to start the the traditional learn your instruments first or are you okay with telling your students hey don't even worry about learning a, an instrument nowadays just go ahead and jump into the first DAW that you could get your hands on whether Ableton mm. or not um, what would you recommend I think that's such a vast question and mm maybe if you ask me that question tomorrow, I might give you a different answer and the same the following week. Sure. But I think today, um, really, if you can have some level of music theory, I don't have great music theory. Um, mm. But, you know, I know the, I know the C major scale. I know a few minor, a, minor, a couple of minor chord progressions. Um, I think that's always going to help level up your skills because at least your listening skills are like okay is this in key when i play this is there dissonance there as long as you have some listening skills i think that's beneficial but ultimately i think there's so many tools to help you get better at you know production and nowadays i consider production an instrument anyway if you're good with the laptop um if you're good at sound selection sound design mixing mastering I consider you, you know, you're, you're good at your instrument. And I know that was something that maybe back 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, even as close to the 2010s, 
laptop music or you know using the laptop as a tool for music was kind of frowned upon like you don't really play a real mm. instrument you know you don't know i've studied this thing in a garage for 20 years whatever um right but i think if you're good with a tool and that could be like the mpd or some kind of beat machine something like that um i think your drive over time will allow you to be to be better at music but i think if you have an instrument for me it was drums piano came later that's definitely going to level up your skills in some regard you know because you'll know where to yeah. travel with that instrument and to create a narrative with that instrument i appreciate you saying that and and i think that oftentimes there's there's kind of a a um an imposter syndrome effect when it comes to production because of the same things that you mentioned right 70s 80s that was the mentality if you're not playing an instrument you know, it, it seemed like people frowned upon you. Um, whereas nowadays it's not so much the case, but um, even so getting into music now and being in a room of, of, of very talented musicians, it can feel very overwhelming if you're not, at least if you don't have the basics of, of some sort of music theory, uh, you know, in your tool belt. But, um, but, but I'm glad you said that, man. So jumping back into you know, your story and, and, and going from from uh, session drummer to now you're now you're you're jumping into the realm of, of production. Were you so were you traveling full time as a as as a as a musician or were you kind of, you know, going from gig to gig, still working uh, part time or full time or what have you? And, and, and how did you get from that to, um, I guess, the next chapter mm -hmm. in your in your music journey? So the, the, the full-time music didn't come until a year ago, uh, a year and a half ago, around the time that you and I met. And when I was straddling, coming away from session musicianship as much, I still play drums and stuff, but when I was coming away from being a session musician, getting more into production, I was always uh, a music lecturer. I worked at uh, the college that I attended when I was a kid. So um, I was teaching music five days a week. And in the evenings or on breaks, you know, I'd spend the lunch break, like reading some sheet music or listening to an MP3 that a band had sent me learning that. I'd be in a back room, you know, kind of naughty to, to admit to it now, but it's, it's college, they're older students, they've got coursework, I'd set them on a task, they would work away for an hour, I might spend 45 minutes in the laptop, I kind of peek my head up, meerkat around, everybody's good, okay, I carry on making this beat, whatever, I'd share it with the class, uh, and then I would really, I'd basically do, uh, there was a period of time where I was doing like a seven hour day job, and then I would travel into London and I would do six, seven hours in London as well. And I worked in a studio for a time there with a couple of other producers. And that was where like, it really hit the fan, I hit the ground running. Mm. Uh, I was probably a little bit out of my comfort zone. We've never discussed this, but I don't know how you work. I like to be a little bit on the edge of my comfort zone just to get a little bit yeah. of a push. Are you similar, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. When I, when I worked at this, this music studio, it was already established. I was a latecomer. There was a couple of other producers there. They they were very much in the rock world. I think there was a rock producer. He focused mainly on band re band recordings. There was another producer, maybe maybe rock again, but it was more vocals and stuff. And I just 
happen to find that spot you guys need a producer i want to be a hip-hop producer and they were like well we don't really do that here i was like i don't know i'll make it work you know so i was really struggling teaching seven hours i'd go to the studio and i would just be dishing out flyers on facebook on instagram just like if anybody wants to come through for a quick vocal session and that's kind of where i started to at least again like prick my ears up and and think i could probably do this full time but let's just figure out how i'm gonna get all of the cogs spinning together because uh, i was really juggling plates at the time and yeah i continued down that road for a long time and i, I would quit the studio college was always there and then i would focus on maybe selling beats online and that would become overwhelming and i'd go you know again quit that cold turkey and just focus on teaching at the studio and it wasn't until yeah like a year and a half or two years ago when I started a YouTube channel um, and I started putting out more of my own music, I had this terrible habit of putting out music under loads of different aliases and then thinking that's not my best work and deleting it from the internet altogether. <laughs> and I just realized two years ago, like I'm constantly starting again, starting again. Um, people will always, if I run into old friends, like always unsure if I was still doing music, like, oh, I don't see your stuff anymore. Is it, do you still do that? I had so many different, names and monikers that i made music under and i i thought right let's just decide on something we'll put music out there and i don't want to be tied down to a genre but i want my discography to just be a portfolio of growth if nothing else mm -hmm. um wow. and i started the youtube channel and like i said i was teaching alongside and i slowly began to realize that my students were spending more and more time watching my videos and engaging with the content commenting on the videos and less time in my lectures i'd be like where's josh today you know and they're like oh he's you know he's out and then i get a notification during my lecture and he's like well this video's sick can you talk about side chain compression blah 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 and uh i was like okay this is going to a place where i can i can probably focus more on online education and less in person outdated that was the mm. thing that really i had kind of a, a gripe with was that the content that i was delivering inside college at mm. that time for that particular college i'm sure there's an amazing amazing colleges universities high schools all around the world but that particular one it was it was outdated and i couldn't deliver the content that i found exciting and beneficial and i don't think the students were getting the content that they felt would give them growth so march was it 2019, 2020? Everything feels like a blur now. Whenever we went into lockdown, yeah, um, yep. lockdown came around and I was like, okay, this is, this has got to be, I took a, took a gamble, but this has got to be the hardest time to maybe quit my job and just try this freelance thing. But if I can make a success of it right now in this pandemic, I set a little bit of money aside for a couple of months. Um, then I should be good and to touch touch wood it's been it's been okay so far it's been pretty good I, I definitely want to go back and first off man I commend you for just everything that you've done because um, this is hard work uh, and and I think that at least for myself t 10 15 20 years ago even um, when I first got the idea of I want to be in music it, it seemed like all glitz and glamour and the key to solving my life's problems mm. and making life super easy right and that's kind of the the, the 
the other side of the coin. Of course, the first side was falling in love with music and starting the you know starting to play the guitar when I was like nine years old, and and then getting into hip hop heavy and, and just falling in love with the culture. But but aside from that, the the reason why I personally wanted to pursue music uh, for some time was this is something I'm passionate about, and this is going to be something that's going to make life easy. Um, you know, kind of interjecting a little bit about my story here, not to take away from your shine, but as a, as somebody who lives in Florida as an immigrant, you know, there weren't a lot of options and opportunities for, uh, at least that I felt for someone like myself and, and the people that I saw and looked up to were, you know, these rappers that literally came from nothing and made, made it into something, or at least seemingly so. Right. Um, so seeing that in your journey, you were working a full-time job, right? You were working seven hours a day, still, still doing the building your music business. Cause that's what you were doing. You're building your, your client base at a studio. You're trying to build your client base at a studio, hopping into online sales, right? Your product, you're packaging your product. You're trying to sell it online, even if it's a digital product, um, then quickly pivoting and seeing what worked and what didn't work. Mm. What you had personally, um, at least, were more in tune with him, what you weren't. And then from there realizing that, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this, this teaching thing. I think that this process can be improved, but I don't have the freedom within the walls of this institution to do so. Let me explore that creativity outside of these four walls and then seeing success with that. Mm. And, and that speaks volumes, right? I think that again, it's not easy and it's not, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's hard work and it's dedication. Also the creative aspect for you was, was, was crucial in being able to pivot. And you say, you know, you're ditching things here and there, but I think you're, you're really going into that uncomfortable realm with yeah. putting out your music. Cause it's, it's such a personal, I mean, it's such a personal space for any artist to put, you know, their heart and soul out there for the public to see. Um, so, you know, I, I commend you for that. And then finally deciding to commit to something and stick to it when you saw that this might be something worthwhile sticking to. And, and now you've seen the the fruits of your labor. And by no means are you saying like, hey, everything's made. You know, I'm, I'm driving a, Absolutely. A, a, a Bentley out here and <laughs> live in the lavish dream. But but you are dr you are living a dream. And, and most Absolutely. people's dream is to go full time into music. Um uh, so, so that's, that's huge, man. And, and I wanted to bring those, those key elements out because again, I don't want any of this to get lost in the sauce, uh, and, and people to miss it, misinterpret what, what the artist's journey actually looks like, because it's not spoken about too much from the vantage point of independent artists who are, you know, still working hard to, to make their dreams come true. So now you've structured your business essentially is what I'm hearing. You've structured your business around instruction and you're still making music. So it's still kind of the same components of what you were doing before as, as an instructor and at your old, at your old college and mm -hmm. working at the studio, but now you, you're working on your own terms. Correct. Um, so, so talk to me a little bit about that. Cause now you're uh, in my eyes, at least you're full full fledged music entrepreneur, right? Talk to me a bit, a bit about how that, how that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis for you and what are some of the struggles, but also what are some of the things that you really love about the space that you're in right now? So this is interesting because you 
That's your words. You said <laughs> fully fledged <laughs> music entrepreneur. And uh-huh. I think just because you said about the things that I struggle with, the things that I enjoy, we'll come back to the day to day. I think this is really interesting. I'd like to ask you the same question. Yeah. Uh, titles. I find it so hard to title myself. Right. I spent 10 yeah. years or it was coming. The, the reason I left the college or one of the reasons I left the college was because I didn't want to be there. It was supposed to be a stepping stone. I didn't want to be there 10 years. I've been in a job a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming up to the 10th year, I quit. But that's it. That's an easy thing to Will Hatton, the teacher. Will Hatton works at I was going to say the name, but a particular college, you know, <laughs> go to the doctors. <laughs> yeah, I'm a teacher, blah, blah, blah. I went to the doctor's office for something minor when i got out of teaching and you write down you know occupation and i was like oh no so to go back we can go back to the day-to-day and we can go back to the things that i struggle and enjoy with on the day-to-day i think that's really interesting but let me ask you the same question do you find it difficult to title yourself and to kind of package yourself to the person who's asking everything that you do what do you what do you call yourself yeah man it's it's hard i think <clears throat> it depends on who i'm speaking to it depends on the platform um i you know i'm i'm i i i'm a very carefully crafted person and i've had to be for so so much of my life because i've had to compartmentalize so much of my life you know mm. at, at school i'm I'm Nick. <clears throat> At school, I was Nick. At home, I'm Nico. You know, mm. uh, to my parents, I'm their son. To my wife, I'm a husband. So, it, I, I, I view it as in relation to the other person. So, what do I title myself in relation to the other person? You know, um, or or the audience or whoever I'm speaking to. I'm on stage. I'm a rapper. You know, I'm I'm home. I'm dad. You know. Um, so, to your point, yeah, it's very difficult to appeal to everyone. Um, on a mass level and to say that I'm this, I'm that, and I'm this, I'm that. I mean, I know this is really stupid, but, uh, I've, you know, I, I've struggled with, with, with coming up with a good Instagram bio and right. like a good little short bio for like YouTube, right? Like, who am I? What Absolutely. am I? Like, all these labels. It's, it's, it is, it is kind of daunting. Um, but now I've come to terms with, well, what's the platform and what am I using it for? And then focus on that. And that's just a marketing piece, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, and I hate to reduce this as, as, as brands or products, but in a sense, if you're trying to provide some sort of value and extract some monetary compensation, you know, there's that exchange that occurs. And if you're basically selling through your services and your products, people are hooked to you as the brand, you know, unless you're a faceless product or, or, or faceless service, which mm-hmm. you're not. Uh, you know, will you, you are, you are the brand. So all that said, trying to package it in, in a palatable way, in a way where it's tangible. Um, I think it is important. I think it just, it's based on the, on the platform, but to answer your question, man, yes, I, I've definitely had a, a hard time labeling myself, uh, for sure. And I know you you've, you've got some questions lined up for me. Can I put you under the microscope one more time? Cause I think this is a, uh... man, go for it an interesting conversation that may or may not have come up in the podcast before. So you're, you're speaking on being these essentially different identities or at least titles for the person that you're speaking Mm -hmm. to. And it sounds like more so for the benefit of that person. So they can understand um, your 
your dislikes, your your interests, or, or whether you can just converse and get along. Are you going to have a business relationship, that kind of thing? So I have kind of two questions, right. and they're, they're linked. Do you think that, uh, do you find that, did you or do you find that exhausting? And secondly, do you find that uh, a link from being an immigrant and the way that you came up? Do you carry that with you still? Do I find it exhausting to answer your first question? Um, not not really. And here's why. I think that it's exhausting to constantly overexert and overshare and to and to pour out every aspect of my life at every moment to every person. Right. Mm. So when I'm with my employer, because I, I do work a full time job, um, when I'm with my employer, I'm not going on about my children and you know, the mess that this last week was with all of them being sick and, yeah. and going into the intricacies of parenthood or, or even just the, uh, the challenges of being a young married couple and, and, and dealing with finances and talking about those things. Like those are, those are conversations I reserve for my wife. And in the same vein, I'm not talking to my wife about the complexities of risk management and, and finding, I mean, I'll, I'll share with her tidbits and, sure. and same thing with my employer. Like when, when the opportunity arises, sure, I'll get personal every now and again, but, but there's not this constant overexertion uh, to overshare and to, and to make everything known publicly, right? Um, one thing that I did struggle with early on when I was, uh, you know, 19, 20 is because I was so accustomed to writing everything on pen pad as a rapper and, and just pouring my heart on my sleeve uh to my own detriment um it was it was a situation where i realized that i didn't have appropriate boundaries with people meaning that i didn't i didn't establish based on their their hierarchy or their their relation to my life what is appropriate for me to uh wrap them in and what's not mm -hmm. um and and i went to uh I've gone to counseling and, and, uh, and therapy before. Um, and I went to a session and, and, and the guy showed me kind of like this, uh, this, I forgot what he called it. I think it was like intimacy circle. Right. And he showed the people closest to you there in this circle. And then, you know, you go from this to like your friends and then your acquaintances and so on and so forth. And the, the further out you get, you know, of the orbit, the less you share or, or perhaps the, the more reserved you are and whatnot. And, uh, I'm, I'm oversimplifying that, but, all that said, I found that to be beneficial for me and, and just in, in my own personal life and then applying that to, to business and to music and to everything else. Um, I found that in a sense, it's, it's actually freeing, right? It's freeing because right. I still get to share, just like I'm talking to you right now, something very personal about my life, which is music and my dreams and my hopes and my aspirations. And and I, and I enjoy that. Right. Mm. Um, but I'm not dumping everything else on you. Right. And, and so, so I don't, I, I don't, I don't think it's exhausting in that sense. I do think that sometimes, um, I can be, um, a little too, and I think this is with every artist, perhaps, um, a little too self-conscious and a little too, um, you know, insecure to a degree where I'm like, sure. oh, should I have said that? Should I, you know, and that can be exhausting. Yeah. Uh, but in the sense of trying to, to kind of, you know, abide by certain labels and whatnot. Um, I don't think so, man. I, you know, it's been, it's been freeing. Um, and I forgot the second part of your question. I think, uh, I think it had to do with being an immigrant. Um, yeah, if, I think that's tied you, to that. Maybe you answered it in that, but I wondered if the, hmm. the keeping yourself for particular individuals, uh, had anything to do with the difficulties of you, uh, growing up 
and just trying to firstly once you've found music and wanting to follow your dreams in that and then perhaps the pressures your parents put you under of did you go get some money so i wondered if any of that played a part in it but you kind of you've answered it a little bit have you got can you speak on that more yeah yeah um you know i i think i'm fortunate my my parents and there's there's different you know immigrant journeys and 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 um and struggles like my wife is indian so I think, and not to overgeneralize or or um, stereotype by any means, sure. but she'll say it herself, and I'm just echoing her sentiments. The Asian parent um, differs from at least my parents, you know, right. and I don't want to speak for the entire Latino experience or the entire Asian experience, but there's certain expectations that are had with an Asian parent, uh, at least from her vantage point, than mm. my parents. And so, to your point, uh, were my parents expecting me to get a certain income or, or bring certain amounts of money no like they were very very supportive of my dreams and my aspirations they came here for that right the land of the dreams right and pursuing the american dream for 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 her it was different it was very much like go get a good career go get you know uh get, get financially stable that's that that's your dream right mm. um and and i've taken from both cultures and the positives and trying to meld them into into that uh but yeah i i think i think uh have, being an immigrant it has provided me a unique experience bringing it back and hooking it to the music world in that I'm able to speak to different audiences in different ways, right? So growing up, it was very difficult to find a, a sense of identity with that bicultural uh, background that I had going home, speaking Spanish, eating Spanish food, Colombian food at that, uh, having cultural customs that followed me only at home and then going back to school and seeing how that differed and feeling alienated from from the larger group. Uh, but then realizing that I can quickly adapt and, mm -hmm. and that adaptability factor as an artist, I think it's crucial. And you've talked about that, how you were able to adapt in, in becoming an instructor and being an instructor to those people who needed you there, but you're also still in your element in the background, still working on your tracks. And at the same time, you're going to the studio and, and providing a service there. Um, I think we all do that. I think we're just not as conscious as as some of us are, maybe because we struggled with it a little bit more in the beginning of finding that identity and that and that mm. place of being. Um, but you know, I'm 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 assuming here, and I'm only speaking from my personal perspective. So, dude, that's beautiful. I think I can I can loop back to to an earlier question that you asked about about kind of the day to day struggles, the things that I enjoy, and I think yes. a mutual thing that sounds like you're better adapted to now and you've understood the landscape better and where your comfort level lies but something that's still fresh to me uh, and a struggle on the daily is uh, over trusting not necessarily mm. being maybe and i still am but may, not necessarily being too emotional as a musician uh, or an artist but but too trusting of people the glass is way over half full for me um i think that if i have an idea that it's probably you know there's probably a way to work that idea out for the better which of course isn't always the case you fall on your butt a lot um and i think a lot of the times because i'm a growing brand or a growing identity and i'm fresh in the freelance game I tend to reach out to a lot of people, whether it be um, people that I want to collaborate with, 
you know, one-off sponsors, whatever it be, I'll reach out. And these people are years in the game. They've, they've been yeah. doing this thing for maybe more than a decade. And I can be too trusting of some of the business language that's used. And I can say right. to, uh, to friends, my girlfriend, whoever like, yeah, this person's like really looking out for me. No, I think they're, no, I think they're really going to like have my back on this thing and they're going to take me where maybe they'll, you know, bring me into the company a little bit more. And then, you know, friends and colleagues and partners will bring me that back down to earth every so often. And they say, you know, the, the glass half full thing, the optimism thing is like a huge superpower to have because a lot of people don't have that or might be more pessimistic. But I think on the daily, a huge struggle is firstly over trusting too many people. And then in the quiet moments, having doubts about those relationships and, uh, uh am I working with people or are th those people working with me for the right reasons? Cause I've, wow. over the last year, we're both DIY artists and the beauty of the, the indie artist is the fact that it, it can, it can happen like at any moment. And right. for me, that was with, uh, kind of the start of the journey was with throwaway work. I was working on a bunch of tunes and my collaborator, uh, Rebecca Mardle, she sent me some guitar and we wrote maybe four five, six tunes over that period of time. Um, at the start of the pandemic. And this was like a throwaway idea. I think this is fine, but like do something with it. She was like, dude, it's great. Yeah, let's put it out. And that became afternoon tea. That was the tune that, um, you know, it, it, it very quickly went from zero to a million streams and is still growing now. Wow. And to go back to the trust in things, to go back to, to speaking to other professionals, I'm slowly learning that I have something that I can bring to the table that is of benefit to other people. Um, so I have to be careful of, uh, like you say, how much I share, how much of myself mm. do I give over? Do I just keep it completely business orientated? Here's the price for X thing and it will be done by this deadline. Or do I put a little bit more into it? Well, I really created this idea, uh, which stemmed way back when I had a job as a teacher and I got into teaching because this, that, and the other, um, and I've hiccuped a couple of times and worked with, you know, some some not so great uh collaborators but i think again that's the beauty of the journey right is that mm. i'm learning everything goes back to education for me being an educator right. is a huge passion and being able to teach people different things but i absolutely soak up education like a sponge and i really enjoy some of those moments where i trip and fall and then figure out like okay i'm going to get back up but I'm going to be a little bit more wary over this person or this route, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, a little bit, a little bit of struggle, a little bit of the things that I enjoy on the daily there. And I definitely don't want to gloss over the fact that you hit a million streams, man. I mean, that's, that's bonkers to me. And on your live Crazy. sessions, you're, you, you know, you, you've, you've seen success there and, and talk, you know, bef before you talk about the numbers there, I mean, <clears throat> I, just highlighting a couple of things, you're not, you're definitely not the only one. My wife, read a book recently and it, it was an audiobook so i guess she listened to it technically but um, sure. i forgot the title and i wish I'd, i remembered it but the, the the basic premise was um i think it was called speaking with strangers or something like that uh is what what it was titled is that 
we as humans default to, to, to trusting people and, and, and how that can oftentimes lead to a disadvantage where, you know, people take advantage, people, um, have done crazy things. And, and, and I think he mentioned a couple stories here and there where people were manipulated or, or, or so on and so forth. And all that being said, I mean, I've experienced something similar, um, myself, uh, both within music and outside of music. But, um, I think that that default and, and we ask ourselves that and, and, um, kind of sociologists, uh, and psychologists look at it from that lens of like, why, why is that still a default? And I think to our, to our, uh, advantage more so than our disadvantage because it, it it gives us that opportunity to work with people and to kind of be part of that wolf pack and to be part of a community where alone we uh, as individuals don't thrive and we've seen that in the in the pandemic in the in the shutdowns how mental health and mm. and 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 things of that nature have you know so, so, like very much deteriorated when we are in isolation so i you know i definitely don't want to i would like to actually commend you for being trusting and for being ha half glass full and and now that you are aware of okay now i have some leverage i'm in a position where this could affect my livelihood you know there's business language that i'm not familiar with mm. of course there's that territory that you have to encroach upon with a different not attitude but i would say just a different strategy altogether than as if you were approaching a friend one thing that I, that i like to do and i'm not saying that this is the right way to do things is is just having an opportunity to get to know the person first because i'm more interested in the long-term game than the short-term input and output from that exchange right and sometimes you need that i mean i'm not saying that that's always the case where it's always going to be long term and what i mean by that is building partnerships that you know you can count on for 10 15 20 years especially if you're trying to do this long term then just having that one quick oh maybe this person's going to give me that open that door for me and and i can climb on to the next thing because then at that point in time at least speaking for myself you know it, it becomes about utilitarianism and in using that person versus actually creating that that bridge for both mutually benefit from um but you mentioned that um with your single afternoon tea uh, you know, it's not like you were prepared, but w was there something that you think you did as opposed to maybe other tracks that propelled this, this song to the million stream mark? I think, um, I think the timing of it, it was kind of a perfect storm. And, um, obviously looking back in retrospect, uh, because I don't think I was totally armed with the knowledge at the time and I knew exactly you know, which step that I was going to take. Like it was a game of chess. I, I created a song in the pandemic with, uh, somebody like yourself that became a friend online and she was, um, I hopefully I don't think she'd mind me saying this, uh, cause she's spoken about it before, but I believe she was either in between housing or she was actually homeless at the time. And so she sent me an idea and uh i kind of wrote to that and it was christmas time or around that time so i just wrote it with a kind of warmth kind of minor key kind of solemn track and when we pitched it we pitched it quite honestly as two friends that have never met uh that worked on this um track together across an ocean 
with the same perspective of the pandemic from our, our windowsill. This was before we could go outside and do our hours daily exercise or whatever on that, that crazy like two week or four week lockdown. I don't know how it was for you, but we had this period of time where it was like yeah. no going outside. We pitched it for, on Spotify for artists that way with that paragraph. Um, I knocked up some artwork like super, super quick. And then I think it kind of kicked in when it got to like maybe 250,000, 500,000, something like that, where I was like, this is different to other songs that I've put out. Um, but it was interesting. Let, it was let me all... pause you right there. Sure, 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 when, sure. When you, po- when, when you pitched it to Spotify for artists, did you guys land uh, a editorial playlist? Is that what happened? Correct. Yeah, I completely left that out. Didn't okay. include that in the story. <laughs> hugely beneficial yeah so we i think the song we pitched it to spotify for artists i want to say two months before the release of the song which is obviously crucial maybe 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 it's not obvious to some of the listeners but as far out as you can do it to your release date the the better so i was a lot of my again this speaks on how i viewed myself as an artist a lot of my other material i finished it i was excited about it I put it out the next day. I hopped onto DistroKid, yeah. another pro of DistroKid, just being able to put your music out when you want to, even if it's, you know, the next day a lot of times. But it's not super beneficial in terms of a business right. mindset. So right. forward thinking, I'm working with somebody else, somebody else that is in uh, arguably, you know, a worse position than me, but with the very same dream of doing music. And I was like, cool, let's sit on this and uh we'll put it out in 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 a couple of months and so took time with spotify for artists i don't think we even got the notification that it was on spotify for artists before the tune came out uh i think it was after the tune came out that we got the notification maybe two or three weeks so they hadn't listened to it um and i spent some time with submit hub as well so i was putting you know, 10 20 pounds on submit hub and just pushing that towards blogs and spotify playlisters that kind of thing um but of course the spotify uh i think it's it was on and is still on the uh spotify lo-fi beats playlist um which is super strange because it's like there's a lot of musicians on there flying lotus um jay diller people that you know you and i and loads of other producers and artists like look up to mm-hmm. and then there's this kid from south end on sea <laughs> just in there with his mate uh that's awesome but yeah it, it hit spotify uh it hit the uh curated playlist and and that definitely helped springboard it into the numbers that it's at today man and and i i want to give you credit because um as much as the Spotify curated playlist did for you, you guys did all the legwork in the forefront. And you mentioned that um, this is a struggle, common struggle, as far as I've seen from from the network of artists that I've worked with, is that there is no strategy behind a release. And, and four minimum of four weeks is necessary to prep your release and, and really get it ready for the masses. Um, this, this is going back to that label question that you had for me, and I think that it, it, it is to our own advantage when we start labeling ourselves as 
music entrepreneurs because if we look at it from the lens of well what does an entrepreneur do let's let's talk about the business side of things as, as much as we hate it oftentimes in the creative circles that we're a part of and in the atmosphere that we surround ourselves in um think of like big big brand names like you know apple with the recent iphone 13 release like this is this is quarters in the making you know a couple months in the making where from the product to product testing to branding, imaging, marketing, all that stuff is already prepped for and planned for months in advance. You know, um, I'm not sure who the head of, of product management is for the iPhone, but it's not like they thought of like, oh, exactly. iPhone 13, let's drop it tomorrow, right? Um, we do that to our own detriment as artists. And, and I think that there's a lot to say there behind, hey, I took two months before releasing this track we did our due diligence, um, and and look look what it look what it you know it produced the fruits that yeah. it produced, and uh, obviously that's not going to be the case for everyone. But the more you can increase your your favor or increase the the probability of things like that happening, the better. And I think that comes with planning and preparation. Um, you went on Spotify for artists. You pitched it. You used Submit Hub. So there's that marketing element again. Which doesn't take a lot of work, but it is sometimes it's it's monotonous work that we don't like to do. Uh, but you did it anyway, and and it's paid mm. off. And now you're above and beyond the million stream mark. Ha has that changed you as an artist and how you approach music? Has that changed how you approach your business and and kind of tying it back to that whole? You know, I'm too trusting of people, but now I have something to 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 bring to the table. What what has that done for your for your uh for, for your journey i think i think as much as i wouldn't like to admit it it's brought me into a new circle i think people have paid attention to that number um yeah it's not something that i like to keep tabs on um it's not how sure. i choose my collaborators or my friends or things like that um on a on a more real level on a lower level not a lower level but more emotional level you know people when it when it hit a million uh and i gave it a little share people started reaching out people from my past maybe we went to school together maybe we worked together back in the day um a lot of people that did do do music and um you know hey Oh, I noticed that you did. You're doing good with music. Yeah, are you still? That's, oh, yeah, cool, yeah. Do you ever want to collab sometime? We can, you know, we should get. And, I, I, you know, that kind of hit me. I got a little bit emotional about that because I was just thinking, like, well, you know, I hit X and Y and Z person up years ago before mm. I did any of this. And I, and I ultimately only got lucky with this. This could be the only million. It could, you know, there might be more. Um, and there were some people that I really, really looked up to and, you know, text left on red, you know? Um, so there was some people in my life that reached out and they said, Hey, you got a million, we should collab. Uh, and I had to put myself in check and like, okay, I could, you know, I can be bitter about this and no, you weren't there. You don't know. We're not friends. Uh, but there were some people that I was like, you know what? That, that, this has allowed me this, that was like an audition. You know, maybe who, who right. was I to think that I could be at the level of these people, uh, even though they were from around my ways, whatever. Um, 
you know i i looked up to them because of the level that, of their musicianship or the production or whatever so there was a couple of mm. people that you know i put myself in check and i was like cool i've passed the audition and they see that i can maybe just even be in the the same creative space and then i think things have changed a little bit not loads but for opportunities moving forward a million is yeah. a is a very uh for lack of a better word, like a malleable number that I can use as leverage when speaking to, to other brands. Um, it sh has people show interest. Um, so something that I do often is, is stream, uh, on Reddit and I do that twice a week. And I think yeah. in the early days it was like 4,000 people, which I was gassed about. I was just like super wow. taken aback that, that, that 4,000 people would, would sit down across an hour and listen to my music. And then as I passed the million streams, uh, on, on Spotify, more and more people were paying attention to the live streams of like, who's this artist? And he's on everything right now. He's doing Instagram, Reddit, he's doing the Spotify thing. I was putting, or I am putting out tracks like monthly. So now the Reddit streams have become a million every week. There's a million people that tune in for an hour, which is insane. Like it's a lot of pressure as well. Uh, yeah which yeah. I obviously try not to, I try to suppress that pressure a little bit and try not to think about it. Um, because it's like, it becomes like a why me thing and I'm just making music. I'm mm. making the same beats that I was making before a million. Uh, but yeah, those couple of things have changed the, the, the pressure of creating and can I hold that audience? That's changed a little bit. You definitely have, have, have shown the, the beauty, beautiful part about the journey, right? And the struggles and, and kind of just walking us through everything from starting in high school, picking up an instrument out of kind of just, just not desperation, but just this want to be good at something and, and finding that to eventually, you know, going full time with music and having a million people, you know, stream your song and, and view your streams as uh, say that five times fast um <laughs> and you know that's that's encouraging man because uh it, it's gonna take time it's gonna take time 10 years plus for you and and certainly i'm still on that journey myself uh and i had i haven't hit the milestones that you have but at the same time i consider myself lucky to be in the position that i'm in as well and i ask myself the same question why me and and i realize that it's not about at least for me it's not about uh, me being better than, or, or, or having, having this be kind of my, my thing that I deserved and I'm entitled to, but using whatever, um, thing that I have access to that other people don't have to help them along the way or serve mm -hmm. other people along the way, even if it's just a handful, it doesn't have to be a mass audience or a mass amount of people. Right. And so doesn't doesn't necessarily entitle me to be someone's uh you know key to success or or or, or make me better in, in any way shape or form it's just it, it just loops back right it, you know it just loops back at least for me so i see that that's what you're, you're doing with how you are uh, managing your business how you're so approachable and 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 even though we haven't personally met uh in the in the physical world we've we've had conversations offline that have encouraged me the ways that you ask questions the manners in which you approach things i think i think it's is it's it's very needed in this industry where there's a lot of ego there's a lot of uh you know reservation there's a lot of just me myself and i and and, and you look out man so so thank you for that i want to i want to leave it at that because there's a lot of 
good stuff here in this podcast that I want people to digest. And I certainly want there to be an opportunity for us to talk again. Um, Absolutely. Even in and out of this format, for sure. Outside of the format, it definitely will happen. But in, in this format as well. Um, so for, for the audience, um, and I'm sure the people watching this uh, have hopefully already heard of your music, but where can they find everything that you put out and what's the best way for them to uh, get in touch with you in case or event they want to uh, learn from you? So ultimately to find the, the huge list of, of all of the things, all of the pies uh, that I have my fingers in, uh, just willhattonmusic.com. Um, and from there you'll find the music that uh, I make under the moniker Hushchild and you'll find my educational YouTube series inspired by as well as well as email discord that you can join Twitch uh, all the streams that we spoke about um, there's a whole whole host of goodies there willhattonmusic.com Will, it was a pleasure speaking with you my, my brother I consider you a brother from afar Thank you for sharing your, your journey and your wisdom and opening up uh, to us, to myself, uh, from where you've been and where you are now. Uh, I really commend Will for, again, for his, not his accomplishments, but who he is and what he brings to the table as a person, more importantly. And his music is just phenomenal, guys. Like, listen to it. I, I guarantee it. You will fall in love with it. I have. Um, and to each and every one of, of, of the DIY artists on here or that, that are listening, be encouraged. It's going to take time. You'll hit some roadblocks, as you've heard. Uh, certainly not everyone's out to uh, to get you, but certainly not everyone's looking out for you either. So, so keep that in mind. Those are some of my takeaways from today's conversation. Uh, if you like this podcast, if you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to this channel. Uh, give it a thumbs up. Share it with friends, family, whoever is in the industry or wanting to be in the industry, the music business at least. Um, and that's it for me, guys. Thank you again. Much love, Will. And yeah, I'll Thank catch you, you guys.